It's after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shabbos, oh, I'm a shabbos, 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 I
If I seem a little distant With a twinkle in my eye There's a very special reason You will find Today is only Tuesday And the kids learn olive base And you know that I got Shabbos On my mind Yes, I walk against the many As they're groping in the night And I've tried to share the Torah in a rhyme And the boys are now bar mitzvah And Wednesday night is here And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind And Thursday sees a chuppah And the weather is getting cold And the Torah scroll is turning And we are growing old And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday morning sunrise No time to mess around I'm the old man who dovin right on time And your prayers get more sincere As old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos on my mind And there is no deception Cause he knows just who you are A hunger to be holy While feeling very far And the jokers and the scoffers They're running out of time And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos on my mind It's a Friday evening sunset No time to mess around I'm the old man who dubbin right on time And your prayers get more sincere When old friends pass away And you know that I got Shabbos Yeah, you know I got Shabbos You know I got Shabbos on my mind
J.M. in the A.M. Shabbos Kodesh done by the uh, rabbi's sons. Before that, Moshe, yes, with Shabbos on my mind. Lenny Solomon, a Shabbat in Liverpool with Tzor Michelo. Yaakov Shweki had Kamu Hadur done by Yoni Stern. Vishamri, brand new from uh, Barry Weber. And Regesh Modani, of course, opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this September the 5th, day 10 in the month of Elul, the year 57. Seven four, less than three weeks away from the brand new year. It's Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kitetze. By the way, it became official. We are going to be doing our pre-Rosh Hashanah New Year's celebration uh, with our friends at Cedar Market in Teaneck, New Jersey. Circle the calendar, the 18th of September. That Thursday morning before Rosh Hashanah, we're going to be in Bergen County, and we're going to celebrate the brand new year, a bit early, of course. We always do the celebrations before the holiday. <laughs> uh, and that is official. We'll be visiting Cedar Market on the heels of their incredible uh, Labor Day um, a community event that happened this past Monday. So it's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze with candle lighting time at 7.02 on this Erev Shabbos. 7.02, your official candle lighting time. On this Arab Shabbos, 73 degrees outside with 87% humidity. Winds are west at 6 miles per hour. Mostly sunny with a high temperature of 87. Then tonight, mostly clear, low 74. Thunderstorms for tomorrow. Is that possible? We're going to have thunderstorms on a weekend? Haven't we had exceptional weather every single weekend during this summer? Uh, yeah, except for last weekend, that's true. We had a couple of spotty uh, parts last weekend. Thunderstorms tomorrow with a high temperature of 92. Yerushalayim, Tel Aviv, Haifa, all at 88. A lot at 104. We're at 73 degrees here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. Naomi Nachman coming up at 9 o'clock. Continues to be one of the most um, popular things we offer on the Nachum Siegel Network. The great uh, Aussie Gourmet herself. We'll be on between the 9 and the 10 this morning, right after JM in the AM. Big thank you to our friends at Kedem. It's because of them we're able to present hours and hours and hours of an Erev Shabbos music mix. That is the best way, the absolute best way to uh, go into uh, into Shabbos. It is the absolute best way. And today, all the way until candle lighting time, it means that for about nine hours... You'll be able to play our Erev Shabbos music mix and uh, enjoy an incredible array, really an incredible array, of great Erev Shabbos selections uh, leading up to candle lighting time. And I hope that if you're home or in the office or in the car or wherever you may have a smartphone and you have the NSN app, I hope that you go ahead and uh, and play that stream, that amazing mix of music all through the day. It is the first Friday of the brand new season, first Friday after Labor Day. So give it a shot. You always want to do that at the beginning of the season. You want to give an amazing concept a shot, a chance, a uh, a try. Give it a try. So please do that uh, later on uh, today. Malcolm. Speaking of later on today, Malcolm Honeline about an hour from now with the weekly update. Lots going on in this crazy world of ours. That's for sure. Does anybody care about what's going on in this crazy world of ours? Well, our listeners care. Not quite sure governments around the world care too much, but I guess uh, we'll find out. Uh, Malcolm Honeline at 7.40 this morning, or by Uden officially at 
with the Torah portion of the week discussion on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze, and plenty more between now and the 9 a.m. this morning, if you keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Jam in the AM. Don't forget you can uh, comment on our NSN app at any time. Uh, just go to uh, literally the home screen of our NSN, our home single network app, and you can comment whenever you want. <laughs> so I have two things. Number one. Remember when uh, when uh, Yosef Siegel and Yoshua Siegel were uh, guest hosts of the um, of the Thursday live lunch uh, two weeks ago, and then last week they were special guests during the Thursday live lunch. So I believe uh, they got fifty and forty um, uh, comments on the home screen of the app, respectively, during those two weeks. I believe so. I think that was the statistic. I just looked up yesterday. One, two, three, four. Four comments I got during the Thursday live lunch. Do you think we have to bring them back? I think we have to bring them back. But the most interesting thing is um, at, um, well, sometime early this morning, someone posted a comment on our NSN app, and it says, Erev Shabbat in Rwanda, Africa, and loving my NSN app, while preparing for a dozen guests for a Friday night dinner. Thanks, Nahum. All the best, Mark. So if this is authentic, and I have no reason to believe it's not, there is somebody named Mark listening in Rwanda, Africa, preparing for guests for Friday night dinner. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for uh, schlepping us around the world with you, and good luck. I can only imagine... I, 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 I Well, I'd have to imagine that... Uh, not everything is as easy, uh, Erev Shabbos in uh, Rwanda, as it might be in this area of the world. So, again, I say uh, good luck and a uh, wonderful Shabbos, and thank you so much for joining us by tuning in on the NSN app. That is something, huh? Certainly is. Uh, plenty more at 14 minutes before 7 o'clock. This is JM in the AM. i 
Kunzler, Hashem Safasai. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos, Parshas Kitete with candle lighting at 7.02. On this era of Shabbos, Yoel Sharabi at Shalom Aleichem. Shabbos Hayom done by Shlemy Gertner. You heard Regesh in there with Viazor off of volume number 7. Malcolm Honline, weekly update about 40 minutes from now coming up here at JM in the AM. Naomi Nachman at 9 o'clock right after JM in the AM on the stream at jmtheam.org, what we call the Nachum Siegel Network. Naomi's brand new season premiere comes up at 9 o'clock this morning right after this great radio show. Make sure you have the NSN app. You have it installed in your phone, your Android or iPhone, and you'll listen in from around the world uh, as often as possible. Friday morning uh, at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Executive assistant Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time on the stream at jmnam.org. Make sure to be tuned in. Matis hosts JM Sunday, including news in English at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning on Sunday. The show is from 7 until 9 Eastern time on the stream, the Nahum Seagull Network at jmnam.org. And that happens every single Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the AM. Galitzal, בהנהלת בתי המשפט הוטפים את הטענות על שחרורו בשבוע שעבר של שמואל דתיישבילי שרצח אמש את פורדתו אביטל רוקח בירושלים. כתבנו יותם ברגר. תיישבילי נצא לאחר שהיכה את פעודתו, אך שוחרר כעבור כיומיים. במערכת בתי המשפט טוענים כי המשטרה וסנגורו של דתי השבילי הגיעו להסכמה על שחרורו בתנאים מקבילים, וכי לשופט לא הייתה ברירה אלא לשחררו. אתמול הגיע דתי השבילי לביתה של פעודתו ודקר אותה בפלג גופה העליון, מותה נקבע זמן קצר לאחר מכן. הוא עצמו נעצר סמוך לזירה כשידיו מגואלות בדם, מעצרו הוארך היום בתשעה ימים. ראש השב"כ יורם כהן איים שישראל תנקוט צעדים נגד הרשות הפלסטינית בגלל התנהלותו של אבו מאזן בזמן הלחימה בעזה. כך טוען ראש המודיעין הפלסטיני שנכח בשיחה בין השניים. כתבנו ג'קי חוגי. העיתון הלבנוני הלחבר מפרסם היום את פרטי השיחה שבה מאשים כהן את אבו מאזן כי הוא הגזים במגעיו עם חמאס. ראש השב"כ דרש שאבו מאזן יודיע על פירוק הפיוס בגלל המלחמה. איך שאתם תנהגו כך אנחנו ננהג בכם, אמר כהן, כך לדברי ראש המודיעין הפלסטיני. אבו מאזן ענה, אני מגן על העם שלי, מה שאתם עושים זו השמדת עם. נלך לבית הדין הבינלאומי. שרפת קוצים גדולה עדיין משתוללת סמוך למושב הבונים. שבעה צוותי כיבוי ושני מטוסים פועלים במקום ועדיין לא הושגה שליטה על האש. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שלפי שעה תנועת הרכבות באזור נמשכת כסדרה. 
יושב ראש הוועדה למלחמה בעוני, אלי אלאלוף, אומר שהממשלה הבטיחה להקצות שני מיליארד שקלים ליישום מסקנות הוועדה. כתבנו ישי שנר מוסר שאלאלוף נשאל בכינוס של הפורום לכלכלה הוגנת, האם לממשלה אכפת מהעוני והשיב, בינתיים לא. הובטח לנו שכבר ב-2015 יהיה תקציב. העוני זה הזנחה מטורפת, זה פיצול של החברה הישראלית. ואם המדינה רוצה להיות חזקה, וקברניטי המדינה מדברים על זה, אז כדאי שיתמודדו עם העוני. מנהיגי מדינות ברית נאטו מכונסים כעת בווילס לוועידות. מזכ"ל נאטו רסמוסן שאמר לפני הוועידה שמתנהלת בדלתיים סגורות, היום נוודא כי בידינו כל הכוחות והציוד לכל זמן שיידרש. בבוסניה והרצגובינה נלכדו 34 קוראים במכרה פחם. כתבתנו נועם דהן. המכרה קרס במרכז בוסניה בעקבות פיצוץ גז. על פי הרשויות המקומיות, הקוראים לכודים כ-500 מטרים מתחת לאדמה, אבל הם בחיים ולעת עתה יש מספיק חמצן תחת ההריסות. 22 קוראים נוספים הצליחו להימלט, וצוותי ההצלה מנסים לחלץ את הנותרים. התחזית אצלנו, ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, מחר בשעות הבוקר ייתכן טפטוף לאורך החוף. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר, בצוות הדר קרפיול ואבי כהן.
Jam in the AM, a song called Va'afilu, Yaeli Klein and Company, a very popular uh, tune over the last few weeks, that's for sure. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parsha's Kitetse. Good morning, all. Don't forget that the uh, weekend programming is outstanding on our uh, Nachum Siegel Network, including Executive Assistant Avrami, who hosts Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Make sure to be tuned in for that. Don't forget that Matis hosts an amazing JM Sunday every single Sunday. Oh, yes, every single Sunday Matis is hosting a great JM Sunday program live uh, with news from Israel in English, with Harry Goldwasser, of course, and plenty more starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday morning on the stream at jmandtheam.org. Uh, Naomi Nachman is coming up at the season premiere of Table for Two. That happens uh, this morning, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, uh, right after JM in the AM. Hope you have the NSN app, so it'll be really easy for you to follow along. Uh, guests on her season premiere today include Seth Levitt of Abel's and Hyman with his brand-new Cognac Salami. <laughs> no joke. This is true. Cognac Salami. Seth, uh, Steven Weinberger, rather, uh, also known as uh, Fleisch Gordon, who's a celebrity judge in the kosher barbecue competition circuit this summer. Warren Rachmacher and Don Sharbin, co-executive chairman of the first annual Southern New England Kosher Barbecue Championship and Festival. that's happening this coming Sunday. And um, Naomi's also going to feature a conversation she had with the gang from Kosher Connections that she uh, that she conducted a couple of weeks back. So Naomi Nachman has a table for two, 9 o'clock Eastern Time on our stream, and, of course, followed by an amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos music mix with a big thank you to our friends from Kedem. That music mix happens every single Friday from 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candlelighting. <coughs> Excuse me, all the way until candlelighting. Make sure to be tuned in. Malcolm Homeline joins us 15 minutes from now. It'll be weekly update time at JM in the AM. Yeah. 
J.M. in the A.M., uh, Hashem Melech, that single done by a Sholi, covers that song in a very interesting fashion here at J.M. in the A.M. I want to thank, I want to thank, let me see who I'm thanking here. Uh, I want to thank Oscar Israelowitz, or Israelowitz. Um, he has uh, sent us his latest book, Secrets of Jewish New York City. It's a synthesis of his New York City books, which include Synagogues of New York City, Guide to Jewish New York City, Jewish Heritage Trail of New York City, Ellis Island Guide with Lower Manhattan, Jewish New Jersey and Vintage Photographs. I, I He gave me that one. And, uh, uh, my father's synagogue, the Young Israel of Newark, is in that one, and I thank him for that. Uh, what else does he have? Uh, Lower East Side Tour Books, Subways of New York City. Unbelievable. Uh, this one has plenty of information about the city with a heavy stress on its architecture and synagogues, plus information about kosher restaurants, mikvos, Israeli folk dancing, and all museums. Enjoy. Oscar, thank you. Oscar Israelowitz, everybody. Many of you know him because he uh, lectures extensively on the topic of New York and the historic Jewish communities of different areas, including New Jersey. And, uh, sorry about that. And, um, this one is called Secrets of Jewish New York City. Where is the Jewish Plymouth Rock? Where can one find the Tenement Museum? I know the answer to that one. Where can one find a walking tour of the Lower East Side, Jewish Harlem, Hasidic Williamsburg, the Jewish Brooklyn Bridge, the Jewish High Line, or Sephardic Brooklyn? Where is the oldest synagogue in North America? Where can one find a good kosher restaurant serving French, Italian, Japanese, Chinese, Indian, Mexican, or Israeli cuisine? This book contains over 250 gorgeous color photographs. And... uh And it's available, israelowitzpublishing.com, I-S-R-A-E-L, Israel, O-W-I-T-Z, publishing.com. So I want to thank him. Secrets of Jewish New York City. A lot of great stuff in here. We're going to be flipping through this uh, tonight, I can guarantee you that. Really cool. Anyway, thank you, Oscar. Big thank you from all of us here at JM in the AM. 7.30 in the morning, we'll do our Elul chauffeur blowing in a moment. Want to remind everybody that the Young Israel of Teaneck has their first annual Elo Lectures sponsored by Ellie Y and Esther Katz in memory of Rabbi Joseph Feinstein. And uh, that is happening, uh, featuring Rabbi Stephen Weil tomorrow night on the topic of minefields. Rambam's analysis of the six spiritual roadblocks that preclude Shuva. The lectures at 9.30 followed by a dairy uh, dessert reception. And again, that's the Young Israel of Teaneck. Um, uh, tomorrow night, there'll be a special presentation about supporting the Magen David Adom, as we mentioned earlier in the week. Make sure to be there. The Community Fair Supporting Southern Israel gets to Lincoln Square Synagogue this Sunday, 180 Amsterdam Avenue between noon and 7 o'clock. It's at Lincoln Square Synagogue this Sunday. Support Southern Israel by buying at Lincoln Square Synagogue between noon and 7 p.m. this coming Sunday on the Upper West Side. Check that out. And um, and buy, 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 if you're able to, buy as much as possible, of course. 
Uh, yesterday, Miriam L. Wallach was scheduled to do the um, Ice Bucket Challenge during the season premiere of That's Life. She did it. She did the challenge on Grand Street. The legendary agent and producer and uh, publicist and rock and roll uh, icon uh, Chip Quigley actually dumped the water on her. We have audio of it. We do not have video of it. In other words, it's a long story. <laughs> a very long story. Um, so so what we will do in terms of um, trying to either uh, make this up by having her do it again or uh, whatever other method we may come up with regarding the challenge, we will announce next week. And I'm sure that at some point next week it will be part of our programming during the day on the Nahum Siegel Network. But that, that is the current situation. She did it. But um, but things uh, video-wise did not go the way we expected. Let's put it that way. Um, so as soon as we have an update on that situation, we'll let you know. And happy anniversary to Stephen and uh, Miriam L. Wallach. That's right. Miriam L. and Stephen Wallach celebrated their 19th wedding anniversary yesterday. So we say happy anniversary to them. If you see them at any point today or through the weekend, you make sure to say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Elul Chauffeur Blowing and more coming up at JM in the AM. Nachamuami, Nachamuami, 
Yes, Kulanu Am Echad. Oh, yes. How important those words are. Uh, it's Michal Przanski here at JM and the AM. Mordechai and David, brand new with Eitz Chaim off of the Sheer double CD before that, and Aaron Razel had the Nachamu single. That's brand new. On the topic of Am Echad, if you missed my conversation with Yaakov Shweki earlier in the week when we spoke about some of the themes that were going through his experiences in Israel this summer, Important interview, touching on a lot of amazing points, especially in regard to the Israeli soldiers and the general feeling in Israel this summer, which 
Obviously, we don't hope for the um, the tension to continue in Israel, but we certainly hope for the achdus, the unity, to continue in Israel and beyond that, Israel and the entire Jewish world. Uh, so check it out, the archive section, JM and the AM. Dot org. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos Parshas Kitete, candle lighting is 7.02. Time for our weekly update. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update on this Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. If I wouldn't have seen it and heard it with my own eyes and ears, I don't know if I would have believed it. I was watching a network newscast um, this week. I don't know if it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night. And the network news anchor, well-known international personality, began with the following words. And I believe that I'm almost quoting him verbatim. It's a great paraphrase, but I believe this might be a direct quote, if I remember correctly. He opens by saying, the world is on fire, and the majority of the hot spots are being caused by radical Islam. I couldn't believe you said it. By the way, it took me back a lot of years, Malcolm, because you'll recall, I don't know, what is it, now 15, 20 years ago, that you warned about radical Islam and its effect on this world. And now, in fact, all these fires that have to be put out, if in fact they're possible to be put out, uh, are being acknowledged by uh, the media as being, uh, you know, as being the result of uh, radical Islam gone crazy. Uh, but aside from that network newscaster, I have not seen the outrage that I would think the world would be uh, involved with and would be displaying after another beheading of another journalist, after all the violence that's being uh, conducted in so many different countries. Do you think that people are starting to get it? Do you think that people understand that there has to be some really really uh, detailed and, um, and, uh, and potent reaction to ISIS and these terrorist activities? And I think the uh, the recognition, even if late in coming, and you're right, it's since 1988 when I uh, talked about it and on your program over two decades, to get people both here and abroad, including in Israel, to pay attention to the threat that was clearly nascent then is today out of control. I'm not sure that, that there is a response to the total problem, but we could take each part and begin to address it. And that ranges from supporting Sisi in Egypt, despite our reservations about some of the policies, to, to our friends in Morocco, to the Central Asians. And I'm, I'm talking about the Muslim countries now, that we need to, to support regimes that are friendly and that the image of the United States indifference or worse, that we support our enemies and, and uh, criticize our friends. I think one of the ways to counter it is to show support for Israel because everybody in the region there measures our determination, American determination, Western determination by that, and the fact that they can be critical of of uh, a war against Hamas or dealing with Hezbollah or uh, the IS today, just in, in the last 24 hours, uh, associations with threats to the government of Jordan, and that includes infiltration and talks about, uh, you know, that that would be the first step on their way to Palestine, the threat to, to an incitement about the Harabites. And there was a demonstration on the Temple Mount this week by pro-IS, uh, uh, thousands of people with, uh, with the IS flags uh, demonstrating there. 
and uh, to to their uh, uh, threats in uh, in Lebanon. There was fighting on a in a city called Arsal, which is right on the border of the Syrian Lebanese border. And the commander of the Lebanese army armed forces said that if they had if the army had lost Arsal, IS would have continued to the coast and declared a state there as well. And it's not going to be the last attempt. We know that they have now said this week they're going to replace the Saudi family as the emirs of Saudi Arabia. You can go country by country and see the threat. And you're talking about guys who operate off the backs of pickup trucks. You're talking about this is not the biggest army in the world, but they've grown perhaps tenfold uh, over the last year or two years uh, because we didn't deal with it when we could. And even the refusal now to address and go after their presence in Syria. So the, the global danger, IS is one part, but it's become symbolic. And you see how the horrific practice, the beheading, these brutal killings, they, you know, 1,700 people killed in Iraq, 770 guys in, in custody executed in, in Iraq alone, let alone the executions they're carrying out everywhere, even in Sinai now. They're boasting almost every other day with reports about how many people they killed. They claim that they're Bedouin spies for Israel, when in fact we know that's not the case, and that the collaborators that Hamas killed in in uh, in Gaza during the war and in its aftermath, claiming that they were collaborators. Israeli uh, forces came out with a report that, uh, saying that there isn't one of those people who have been identified as an Israeli agent uh, who really was and that the accusation that they gave over information that led to the killing of the three leaders, the Hamas leaders, that was not done with human intelligence. It was all done by surveillance and other things. It's so pervasive, and, it's, it's, uh, we, and we have to go after the sources of their support, like Qatar. If you were asked to like plot it, out all the different hot spots, all the different sources, it would be impossible, right? It's impossible to identify all of them at this point. Because it st- stretches into South America, into Africa, into Asia, we see Boko Haram. I mean, who talks today about those 300 girls that were, were, were kidnapped? What happened to them? That nobody even is even talking uh, about their plight and, and remembering them. So, and, and Boko Haram continues to carry out attacks in different parts of, uh, of Nigeria and, and extending its influence there and trying to. If they could be countered, there are ways that we can really deal with them. If there is determination, if we send a message to our friends and allies that we are really going to stand up to them, that the West is going to mobilize, that NATO is going to take these threats seriously. The Europeans said this week, you know, we see it's coming closer and closer to us. No, it is there. It's close already. It's not has, doesn't have to come. Yeah, but you answered yes to my first question, and frankly, the impression is that nobody really does care. And as much as the President of the United States, for instance, says that, you know, he's ready to... Uh, you know, to, to pay ISIS back and pledges to punish them for what they've done, especially with the Sotloff murder and everything. It, it just doesn't seem that way. It doesn't, it doesn't look like world leadership is ready to take these guys on. That, that is a very important point. And that was exactly the point that I was making, is that it's not enough to say it. It's not even enough to carry out some of the attacks that we have and what we're doing in Iraq, for instance. I mean, we should be do, doing it in, in uh, Syria as well, cut off their supply lines, go through the leadership you know, to, uh, and to uh, uh, take out the, the support system uh, uh, of them. But 
even if we would do it, if we don't send the message of our determination to do it and demonstrate by our actions that those that there is the will and the commitment to actually carry it out. Yeah, there's only one language they understand, you know, and words is not the language. Words is not the language. I said along said, you know, even when we deal with Hamas, the only language right. terrorists understand is strength. That's why if the, if the U.S. and Great Britain are now looking for cooperation from other countries, but cooperation to do what? They are looking for cooperation what, for to make more statements and come out with more policy statements about it? Uh, I think that there are, no, I think statements are, are declarations that are followed by actions to say, to declare to the world that we don't have a, a strategy to deal with something or to declare that while we're committed, we, we're not sure yet what actions we're going to take. Our actions would speak louder. But, but what I'm saying is that our words, the words from the West and Western leadership often portray a leadership that then sends a message to the terrorists it's open season. What, why are they being attracted? Why are young people flocking to, including Americans, flocking to the to the banner of of such an outrageous extremist group who impose such restrictions on the life of their of their members and the people that they capture and the horrific practices that when this is all written up and people find out how they kidnap young men and women, you know, young children, for terrible purposes to to, to please their troops and. You know, forced marriages and and. Uh, so what's the answer? They like fighting for a cause. People are looking for something to fight for. What what is the answer? What's the so attraction? The, the internet has become a, a rallying point. They give them a purpose. They they charge them up, sometimes with religious fervor, and often it's not. They're not even religious people, but they give them a purpose, a cause to stand against authority to, to rally, and then. And the beheadings, which one would have thought would turn off people, has actually become the strongest recruiting. Now Now the Syrians are talking about uh, how many beheadings they did. As I said, in the Sinai, they claimed uh, nine this week alone, uh, in two days, uh, beheadings. By the way, not that, I, not, not that you need to get into the head of a terrorist for us, but why do they last a year or two? Why are these journalists being held and not being murdered immediately? Because they hold them for for their purposes to, to exploit it for the maximum benefit, and to you know to uh, and they did release uh, once in a while one or two of them. So in the Sotloff case, it was simply it, it was time to display him to the world and time to use him as a prop to because they threatened to to execute him if the United States didn't stop some activities. The United States didn't stop, so they show that they mean it and they kill somebody who. Uh, as I told you, but we uh, we tried to keep it off out of the press and and uh, the media that that he was in fact a dual citizen. Right. He had studied in Israel, which you know would have probably hastened his death or made it more valuable for ISIS. Did that cause Israel to react any stronger than other Western nations to his murder? Because after he... the information came out, yes, you saw that it it. Uh, Escalated the, the response and the comments on it and the reports, but uh, you know the the religion of uh, the reporter or their other ties only give the these terrible people more ammunition. So the family worked very hard to keep uh, his Jewishness and his dual citizenship uh, quiet. I have to say that some of the media were very responsible. I called some of them and explained to them the situation after we knew that they had the, they had found uh, evidence of the, of it. 
uh, and they did not publish it. Good idea or a bad idea for family and friends to speak when someone's being held or there's no good answer to that question? Look, the humanitarian appeal gets attention, gets you hopefully motivate our own government, other governments to, mm, to good respond. Point. Right. It doesn't necessarily touch the heartstrings of these people because they don't have hearts. Is Great Britain embarrassed by the fact that it seems that the chief murderer is from their country? This, uh, this campaign... Uh, that's the latest report. He hasn't been identified, but the, the, that is the report. And of course, Britain is is uh, horrified that the guy speaks with a British accent. Five, then uh, half of its resources just to deal with the, these crazy guys fighting in uh, in in Syria and Iraq now, and the danger of their coming back. And many have already started to come back and, and to the United States. See, I would think that the United States, Israel, certainly Great Britain, for the reasons we just said would want to scout out this guy and literally take out the world's, you know, best-known human butcher at this point. They are, uh, Britain has been devoting a lot of resources to finding out, the United States certainly, but the intelligence is very rich, or local informants or somebody who, who might know to identify them. And there's no Arab country at this point, including Egypt and Saudi Arabia, that could ever speak up against these groups at this point, right? No, they speak up against them, Saudi Arabia. Even Saudi Arabians? Yeah, Saudi Arabia, the UAE, the Egyptians. I mean, many of them are speaking up because, they, they, as I said, they want to target all of these countries. There's not one that they don't want to go after, ultimately. Even their sponsor, Qatar, should be worried about it. And maybe they're trying to buy an insurance policy, but this, you know, it's hardly this country could be overrun in, in days. It's very small. It's a lot of farm workers. Um a lot of oil, a lot of wealth, great target. Uh, and I think that the West has failed to, to hold them to account, and we're paying the price for it and continuing to pay a price and, and uh, talking about an $11 billion arms sales to them. So no Arab country, I think, should consider itself safe, no Muslim country, and no... And no Western country. No, no Western country. <laughs> By the way, and for people listening from outside the New York area, you might find this fascinating... You know, Malcolm, I'm a keen observer of what's happening on the Hudson River because I cross it every single day, and I cross the East River very often. I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, also being a New Yorker, but there's no question there has been real stepped-up security in the New York uh, area, especially bridge and tunnel crossings, over the last 10 days. You agree? There has been uh, increased uh security that was implemented already years ago and they have no nah, this is and, way different no, no, i agree i'm saying that already began years ago but it's more intensive now and there's also new machines that that uh, can detect chemical weapons on bridges you know cars going by and you remember we, we saw in the last few weeks attempts to to do things on the bridges on the brooklyn bridge right especially i think that that has raised the concern level because we always get copycats uh, when things like that happen. But it seems that, at least the way the news is reporting it, that our security alert went up when it went up in Great Britain, and there it's at the level of severe at this point. It's severe. We're not at the same level. Perhaps we should be. I think every Jewish institution should be, and we've talked about this uh, endlessly, and we have the people from SCAN available to help advise Jewish institutions and communities uh, on the steps that they can take that don't necessarily cost a lot of money, but everybody, every shul, every institution, has to, and school especially, can, has to take steps, um, preventative, 
deterrent, but uh, essential nonetheless. And any institution that's been dilly-dallying on this issue, you know that our family is, is associated with a lot of schools, thank God, and all of them are taking this issue very, very seriously. And if you listen to the statistics that law enforcement tells you when they walk into your school at the beginning of the year, we don't realize how often... You know, things like this happen. I mean, I don't want to give details, but you know what I mean. Happen in schools, and we really, synagogues and schools, especially this time of year with the high holidays coming up, have to be on the alert. And that's why the NYPD does the special campaigns around the holidays, because the more visible, the more uh, with greater crowds coming to synagogues, and our institutions are generally open, so the there has to be these kind of precautions. And we always cite them, rightfully so, but we've got to acknowledge also a lot of, uh, you know, New Jersey, Rockland, Long Island, it's in this area, and I'm sure other areas of the country, uh, th- those police forces that also step it up this time of year. Absolutely. America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockin' County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Malcolm Honeline with us, the weekly update. I want to thank our friends at jewishworldreview.com who continue to enthusiastically recommend our amazing network to their readers. And if you want a million articles that you could find on these topics and others, check out jewishworldreview.com. By the way, Malcolm, uh, we, we've heard about boycotts and the EU and its members, um, in one way, shape, or form, either uh, have expressed interest or have acted to boycott Israel or the West Bank, whatever you want to call it. There is an effort being led by a gentleman whose name I don't even know. I, na- I know his, his aunt's name is Rochelle, and she's a great lady. But he has literally taken it upon himself to put ads in newspapers all throughout the Jewish world uh, that encourage people to buy Israeli products. And he lists all the different brands from Israel, many familiar to us, many smaller, not that familiar. And he actually has an email address where people can be in touch with him. Uh, it's called buyisrael2014 at gmail.com. And that's his plan, is simply to just get the word out to remind us to go to every grocery aisle, every online purchase, electronic products, and buy Israeli products. Yet another example of what one person can do in this whole effort. The best answer to the boycott is to have the boycott, which means getting people to purchase, and if you don't see it in the stores, to ask them to carry specific products that, that uh, you want from Israel. Uh, we should especially do things to help the people in the South, and I know there are some websites about products. Uh, obviously, it's limited uh, opportunities. but the- Oh, and Southern Vendors have a big tour that starts at Lincoln Square Synagogue this Sunday. That's right, and they, uh, I was going to say that yeah. this is exactly the kind of... Uh, uh, efforts that we have to support because you know bringing the economy back we're never going to make up for the terrific losses uh, it amounts to many billions of dollars that this war cost israel not only in the munitions expended the treatment of wounded soldiers and and uh, tourism human cost but when you go to investors who didn't come the tourist impact which will continue because people planning a winter vacation do it during the summer make commitments and then didn't do it, so they, they, many of them won't. Uh, those who have plans to go should definitely go. So it's hurt Israel in uh, in many ways. Thank God Israel's economy is resilient and the people determined uh, that uh, and they will go on. But we have we have a role to play in that regard, especially about tourism, which we've talked about many times, and the the um, uh, the political support. Now the Congress is coming back. We're going to see efforts at the United Nations, which where the General Assembly begins uh, right the week of Rosh Hashanah. The, there will be efforts to uh, 
to bring Israel before the ICC International Criminal Court or to have resolutions there. With all this going on, it's so hard to believe. And and so many other things that are, are happening uh, at the same time. And yet, what is the focus of the world on a thousand acres of land, 988 yeah. acres of land? Nobody says that <laughs> this is all on the west side of the of the security barrier. That this is land that, by all consensus, by all the parameters that were put forward, the Clinton parameters, Omer, the was going to remain with Israel. You're referring to the Givaot expansion. Yes. Uh, and that but- arouses the indignation of the world, condemnations, talk about further actions just today, uh, suggestions that there would be further action. I was in Washington yesterday, and this issue, you know, uh, becomes, it looms large there, you know, as, as Israel doing it again. I agree that maybe the government of Israel didn't do a good enough job creating the context under which this move was made, but this land was never tilled. It was never uh, uh, land belonging to others, to the Palestinians. This is Area C, which is under Israel's control. The accords never said they can't develop it. Whether the wisdom of how it was handled, et cetera, uh, those are legitimate questions and the timing, but the the quick uh, rush to condemn and the, some of the harsh terminology, and yet when Israel yesterday announced that the Jerusalem Planning Committee uh, the approval for 2,200 homes in East Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it, it covered uh, and, uh, 375 acres, there you don't see anything because it's housing for Arabs. And we, we don't see the kind of balance in the statements about what what really is going on, and, and the, the reality that this land, you can have, everybody can have their opinion about the wisdom of how it's handled, but you can't challenge the legality and other things that, that uh, for which we have clear precedent, and, and by definition, this land, where it is, and those who know the history of Gush Etzion know how particularly sensitive it is, uh, by uh, consensus is going to be part of Israel. I, I thought that the American reaction was tempered compared to... Um previous announcements, but you would say no, that it was pretty harsh. Well, I was in Washington two days this week, and I will tell you that it was pretty harsh, and the European reaction harsh. You know, we... we I thought Obama... And, and it just feeds the, the calls for boycotts, and uh, we have never supported boycotts. We don't believe that's the answer to, to any problem, but the, the uh, uh, efforts in Europe are expanding. They're going to be here, the BDS effort, the Boycott Divestment Sanctions, and, and we are gearing up. We have a big meeting this coming week, bringing together 60 organizations to address these issues. On the campuses, we're seeing it very intensely. Uh, on legal forums, as I said, in the international fora, and especially the United Nations and its agencies, and in the media, and we're trying to mobilize experts and people to address each of these areas uh, we are going to see greater challenges. This is just, um, you know, the, the quiet that people keep saying to me, how quiet it is now. I tell them, are you kidding? You have Iran coming up November 24th and negotiations starting September 17th. We've seen nothing from Iran that would indicate their readiness to adopt a more moderate position. Yeah, what will be the new date? We're going to postpone it till when? <laughs> no. And, and said, ah, come Harry on. Himself told me that there, will be, that there won't be a postponement this time. That He said if, there, if it looks like another five days a week or so, we'll, we'll enable them to do it. Then they, that, But he said they made clear to them no further extensions. 
and uh, he said that Congress would enact a tough uh, legislation. Um, and what I've heard from others is that there, there is, in fact, so far no indication of a willingness to compromise except on the Iraq uh, facility. Uh, but if, what, what we've seen is quite the contrary, where they're talking about expanding the, the enrichment and, uh, you know, that the Iranians now vowed to free Al-Aqsa from Israel, uh, talked about arming people in the West Bank. I, for one, take those threats seriously. Malcolm, the world's on fire. Someone said to me the other day, I'm so upset, you know, Great Britain wants to boycott Israel. Um, who else did they say? Whatever, you know, The EU wants to boycott Israel. I said I'm not going to panic until God boycotts Israel. That's what I said. Well, thank God we saw with uh, everything went on this summer, how many miracles and that God has not. So he is not boycotting but Israel. He was looking for us. He's saying, look, I'm doing my part. I'm doing going to such great lengths for you. It's up to you, too. And we read it in the Shalach, that God says in the Medrash, you know, I do all the miracles. I've done my part. Now it's up to you. But we've seen some interesting developments also. One is that uh, the uh, Germans delivered another submarine, which some people were afraid would not happen. And this one can go much further, operate uh, at a higher level. Uh, There were 54 special operations in 2013 alone, including deployment away from Israel of the submarines that they have received. And another one, the fifth one, I think, is due before the end of 2014. Um, I don't know if you saw that Jordan signed a $15 billion energy deal with Israel, which is uh, safeguarding Jordan, and it's uh, part of Israel's commitment to uh, Jordan, which is facing great pressures from the IS as well as the pressures from inside and with uh, hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees there from Syria and the uh, activities of Muslim Brotherhood and other groups. You know, Jordan is a very juicy target for uh, these, uh, these extremists. But I, one of the interesting things that got, got almost no notice was that the Sudan closed down all the Iranian cultural facilities in Sudan and threw out the, the ambassador the, um, and other uh, cultural attaches, uh, not the overall ambassador, but the cultural ambassador. Um, and they say that this is because of pressure from uh, Saudi Arabia, which does a lot of business with them, or, or because the, these guys were engaging in... Uh, missionary activity or proselytic uh, political uh, activity, uh, but it, it's, a, it's an important statement coming from a regime that itself is pretty radical. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there a uh, is there any need, or do you think that we should be calling for Cornell University to close its Qatar campus? You know, that's an issue that's been debated for for many years, and the question is, what benefit? Uh, that this is an opportunity to try and influence. I haven't seen what the evidence that this does influence to the positive, but uh, it's a it's a debatable issue. Um, I think that Qatar has to has to get strong messages, but at a national level, where it really matters. Closing Cornell does not hurt the government. The government represents a small percentage of people. It's a tiny country with huge wealth and built, as the Arabs say, on a television station, uh, Al Jazeera. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they have been supporting every one of the extremist and terrorist operations in contrast to American Western interests like IS, like Hamas, like others, and uh, and allies itself with Iran. Uh, So I think that that there has to be, at a higher level, 
decisions about actions vis-a-vis Qatar and Turkey. You know, Turkey now is moving in more and more of an Islamist direction with the appointment of Nabatulu as the prime minister. Oh, CBS News started last night with a story that the United States, was it the U.S. or somebody else who was trying to uh, trying to uh, elicit uh, Turkey's support in the fight against ISIS? I think it was the U.S. Well, U.S. has, and the West has, and, and Turkey is very critical because they have <coughs> the roads control the bo- its border, which is very porous, and has enabled the terrorists to cross into Syria and go to Iraq and elsewhere. Uh, there's a particular road which they now, just in the last few days, have started to patrol and started to try and control because they're suffering from the blowback of, of young Turks going in there, radicalizing, coming back, and uh, posing dangers uh, to Turkey as well. And the statements of Erdogan become more and more irrational and radical himself, um, and, and the efforts portray him as some sort of moderate and a bridge and you know, being in NATO and being in, uh, an Islamist. They got it all wrong. This guy's an Islamist, and he's appointing, and he's moving more and more that direction and pulling the country in that direction, which is very negative, very scary for, for the Jews who live there, for the region. And there has to be much more concerted action vis-a-vis Qatar and Turkey, rather than this idea of embracing them because they are the ones who have influence with Hamas. We didn't see any evidence that they use that influence. Right. Uh, if anything, the opposite. And, and you know, then IS is becoming more and more financially independent because they raided the banks, but they also control the oil areas in Raqqa, in Syria, and in uh, near Mosul, in, in uh, Iraq. They, they also make millions and millions of dollars from the sale of antiquities. They have, they're generating significant revenue by plundering historical artifacts in Syria and Iraq. They Who buys them? Digs and take a share from them, and then they sell them on the international market. Who they, buys them? Who wants to deal with terrorists? It's not who buys them. This stuff goes out through Turkey and then goes into the markets in Europe and elsewhere. So nobody knows the source. Huge develop, a huge, well, even if they know it, but there's, it, well, there's, you've seen how much of a black market there is in art and other artifacts that, that unrelated to this. In this stuff, which is very old, and, uh, you know, Hamas and um, Islamic Jihad, like uh, IS, do not respect these facilities, and we've seen them destroyed in many countries, but they're destroying mosques and churches, and the the tombs of uh, Daniel and uh, and Yonah, because they believe that these are sacrilegious, and they certainly have no respect for the antiquities, which are are sites that are going to be lost for all the future. Nobody can reconstruct what they were, which... Uh, archaeologists do. They don't just dig it up. They try to figure out and, and learn from it. Uh, so that's another source of income. They're, they're learning how to make money out of everything, including abducting people, which has become a major industry. Wow. Um, where do they make the money in that process? They sell them as slaves? Uh, in which process? In the abducting people. No, they sell them back to their families. But but it, it is right also that there were some of the women that they uh, have abducted, they kill the husbands and sell the women into to, into brothels in uh, the Gulf and other areas, and uh, even for the service of their own soldiers with forced marriages and uh, um, worse. A society that we cannot relate to. That's part of the problem, by the way. 
we forget that it's a it's a society that we can't relate to, and, and our standards are something that they cannot relate to. Uh, part of the problem with trying to communicate with the enemy, they do relate and they exploit it. They 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 look they they see our weakness and democracy and all of these commitments that we have, which we see as strengths and and our strengths. Right, it's our biggest weakness. Perceive as weakness right. and, and see us limited, but. You know, Israel also, you know, the uh, Hamas played on Israel's weakness, which is that they're That's humanitarian. Right. They don't just go and massacre people. They don't kill. And we That's kill. the benefit of a human shield in Gaza. Exactly right. Uh, by the way, someone asked me, and I thought it was a great question, but I, I figured if it was the case, you would have mentioned it already a couple of weeks ago. Has Israel been turned to at all the medical community in Israel regarding the Ebola crisis? you have any idea? They are doing research on Ebola. In Israel, absolutely. I mean, something that would help immediately, that might help immediately in Africa. There is one uh, drug that I remember reading about uh, that was uh, developed in Israel, but the answer is yes, and and Israeli um, doctors are working in Africa. I don't know that they're working in the uh, specific hospitals that have Ebola cases, but I do know that they're working on a drug on Ebola. And I'll let you wrap up with the good news in a second, but you you mentioned the... uh the attitude in Washington this week and, and from other countries uh, regarding Giva'ot, the expansion, etc. In general, forget Giva'ot for a moment, in general we've been reading that the United States very recently, talking about the last few days, is giving up on the aggressiveness they've had toward a peace process. Would you say that's accurate? Is the Obama-Kerry team throwing up their hands a bit at this point? Uh, yes and no. It depends on who you ask. Uh, some people involved uh, essentially said look the palestinians aren't forthcoming etc some said look we've got to get israel to recognize this is a moment and we have to seize it that the ceasefire is not enough that you have to move on back to the negotiations if you want to have a resolution the ceasefire won't hold for long uh so there are absolutely mixed uh, messages that are coming out but i would say that overall uh the state department i don't think has given up and believes that it's essential that they move ahead on, on that front. I'm not sure that the White House is as invested. And the good news is? That Am Yisrael Chai, we survive all these things. And, and I will tell you, I do think it's good news that the world has come to recognize now what the issues really are in this war on terror that, and, and that the criticisms of Israel for having to fight on, on more than one front. And we saw again the what I've talked about for a couple of weeks about the changes on the border with Syria, where you have al-Nusra and others, and then a, a, an errant uh, shell crossed the border from Israel yesterday. The alarms went off, but there was no response because it was clearly an internal uh, struggle where the Syrian army is trying to retake some of the crossings. Oh, so that's why we heard there was an alert near Chispin that was referring right. to that area. Oh, and, uh, you know, Kunetras, there's fighting in Kunetra, but the, right now I, uh, the al-Nusra people uh, control it. Uh, Al-Nusra, if you remember, is an al-Qaeda affiliate, mm-hmm. not IS, but there are IS people who have been seen in, and, uh, in, the, in the Golan. Uh, they're going to take, take advantage of every uh, circumstance. They just don't have to be in the front line there. So the the... And I think that the efforts in Iraq are, have uh, paid off in terms of being able to hold them. Now we have to make a much more assertive, collective effort against them and the other terrorist organizations because these things can pop up every day. There's a new group that, that's coming up, and the Internet enables them to recruit across borders. You, you don't have the ability to restrict, and unless we hold Turkey and other countries to account for, for any uh, lapses, 
regarding the controlling the border or preventing 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds who are going from England, Canada, United States, uh, uh, European countries into Syria, lost to their families then, many of them just dying and nobody knows, or getting lost to uh, all the things that I mentioned earlier. Uh, there really has to be an accountability and a determination with the U.N. coming up, session coming up. We didn't even talk about the Ukraine and the implications of it, but we have... UN is what? If Russia collapsing, Afghanistan deal collapsing. It's it's really a, a unique moment when we have so many things happening at one time, and it's hard for people to focus, governments to focus on so many things. If Russia Hashanah is Wednesday night, which it is, the UN is what? The previous Monday? It's. I think it starts Tuesday. So does that mean the prime minister will not be able to come in and speak? The prime minister is coming. And I think he's uh, coming before Rosh Hashanah, or he'll come between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So that means he will address the General Assembly. Right now, it is planned for him to address the General Assembly, and Foreign Minister Lieberman, I think, will come as well. Uh, So I don't think President Rivlin will come. So I think BB will, will be speaking, and I think he has a very important message at this time. Well, yeah, every year we look forward to his speech. Hope it has some effect. And by the way, kudos to some of the tabloids out there that have aggressively, sometimes in questionable manner, kept the whole um, um, uh, attitude, or I should say the uh, atmosphere of what's going on in some of these foreign countries on the front pages. Because if not for the, if not for the photos and videos, I, I don't even know if people would pay any attention to what's going on with this brutality. At least, at least they and others are, are you know, <laughs> are reminding us about what's going on and how I- insane it is. But the flip side is that this also becomes a recruiting tool for young people who get excited, who see these guys then as the fighters and defending the flag, defending the religion, the faith, or just uh, those who, who who are looking for adventurism. And and most of all, young Muslims in in Europe who are disaffected, dislocated, uh, have been radicalized. Uh, there has to be uh, uh, real decisions to, to address this. We saw this week demonstrations in a number of uh, countries in Europe against anti-Semitism uh, with manifestations including the Yarmulke March and the uh, other uh, demonstrations because people are beginning to see how serious this is and non-Jews have to understand that this is their battle because well, even if Jews are first, this is yep. against everyone. No question about it. Malcolm, the world is on fire. The world is on fire. Makes Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur all the more important for us, and uh, the need for our tefillahs and for our deeds and our actions. Congress is coming back to session. Got to make sure that we get uh, the right uh, actions. Uh, Congress remains extremely supportive. The American people, according to the polls, remain supportive. There are problems amongst young people, and we are trying to address those. But uh, everybody has an opportunity to educate others about the issues. That's for sure. Speak because Rat Hashem next week have a wonderful Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze, we're calling candle lighting time officially for 7.02, 7.02 candle lighting. Someone told me that in Jerusalem, uh, candle lighting is 11.22 Eastern time. So if you have to place those calls before Shabbos... <laughs> You have to 11.22 our time if the people you're calling live in Jerusalem. Um, on this era of Shabbos, 73, 73 degrees, mostly sunny, a high temperature of 87. Executive assistant of Rummy has Saturday night Siegel tomorrow night starting at 10 p.m. Eastern time. 
Matis hosts JM Sunday with news in English, Rabbi Goldwasser, and plenty more, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmandtheam.org every single Sunday morning. I thank Matis, an amazing commitment that he's been at now for over two years. JM Sunday adds a sixth day of JM and the AM to our amazing schedule, and I thank him for that. Naomi Nachman with the season premiere of Table for Two coming up at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on our stream at jmandtheam.org. This time each and every Friday morning, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kiseitzeh. Kiseitzeh has the distinction of containing the most mitzvos in any parsha. It contains, according to the Chinuch, no less than 74 mitzvos, 27 positive mitzvos, and 47 restrictions. Among the different mitzvos that you have in Parshas Kiseitzeh is the mitzvah of Burial, And please note, as Rav Hirsch does, the Torah does not say that if and when a Jew dies, bury him. The Torah speaks about a criminal and says that God forbid if a criminal needs to be hung, which is such a rare occurrence to begin with. But even him, los solin nivlaso al ha'etz, his body is not to stay hanging on the gallows overnight, but rather, ki kavor sikborenu bayom hahu. You are to bury him on that very day. Kalvachomer, all the more so, a regular citizen is to be given that honor and dignity. You have the mitzvah of Ashavas Aveda. We don't say in Judaism, finders keepers loses weepers, you have to, under many circumstances, try to find out who the owner is and return the lost object. You have the mitzvah of that should a marriage need to be terminated, it is terminated only with a written, writ known as a get. You have the mitzvah of Yibum and Chalitza, the Levrite marriage and the alternative thereof. The Pasha concludes with the Zachor to remember that which Amalek did to the Jewish people. They're attacking the Jewish people. And really, if one did not have the opportunity to come to the synagogue on the Shabbos before Purim and hear the special reading of Parsha Zachar, then by all means, when you go to the Shul, the Shabbos, keep in mind that this could be your fulfillment of that biblical mitzvah. I'd like to focus on the very first mitzvah contained in this week's Parsha, a rather challenging one, namely that of the Afas Toar. The Torah tells us that when a Jew, if he should go to war, and there among the captives in the war, what does he find? An especially attractive woman. 
So you and I would have said, knowing the nature of the Torah, that you want her, you desire her, as the Torah says, I would have thought the Torah would say, forgive me, but you're not to take her. Here the Torah says, if you desire her, the Torah provides the means where where you can take her as a wife. Now, clearly, Rashi records the teaching of the Gemara in Kedushin, page 21b, that Lodibra Torah Elo Keneged Yetzer Hora. This teaching is clearly speaking in response to the evil inclination in man. And Rashi continues that God knows the nature of man. If God would not permit this woman to this soldier, he would marry her and take her anyway in violation of Torah law. And therefore, the Torah works with the soldier to literally put her into a state of 30 days whereby her attractiveness is going to wane and the Torah hopefully realizes that during this period of 30 days the soldier will come to his senses and realize that the physical attraction is only so far and that there's a much bigger picture to satisfaction and meaning in life and hopefully he's going to change his mind about his desire for her. But the very interesting point is this, my friends, is literally the only exception to the rule. What does that mean? The Torah itself builds in this exception. You want her? The Torah says, okay, you can have her under these conditions. Now, let's understand the following. You make a reservation for a kosher restaurant. It's a very important meeting that you have with a client. And when you come to the restaurant, you give your name and you say you've made a reservation. They look and they say, we're so sorry, there is no reservation. You try again, yes, I called, ta-ta-ta, no, there is no reservation. You can't make a scene, you're so frustrated. It's such an important business meeting, and this meeting in the restaurant was so crucial for the deal. So what does the tourist say? No problem. You wanted to go to the kosher restaurant, and now that you can't go to the kosher restaurant, go around the, no, you're not going to go around the corner to the non-kosher restaurant. And if you can't get a job, as it was in yesterday, year so difficult in order to enable you to keep Shabbat, so you can't get it, so take the nut, no work on Shabbos, no we see from this very first paragraph in Parshas Kiseitze a very important lesson here the Torah makes the exception, in all other areas of Torah law, the Torah is teaching us four very powerful words you can do it. Just that. There is nothing in the Torah that is really too difficult for you to do.
And this is such an important perspective as to how we should look upon Torah. Rav Moshe Feinstein, Zeich Sadik Levracha, writes that so sad, 80, 90 years ago, when there were the sweatshops and there were the very difficult instances where Jews had to go from job to job because if you weren't going to come to work on Saturday, don't come back to work on Monday. And so very often the father would be out of work. And how would he either or begin the meal or right before the Kiddush on Friday night, what would he say? Oy vishver, says How difficult it is to be a Jew. And what happened? Too often, the children would hear this and absorb it. And they say to themselves, my father, he has this, quote, superhuman strength. But I can't do this. It's not for me. And so because the father gave the impression that Torah was difficult, it was not properly transmitted and passed down to the next generation. And we say just the opposite, that beautiful line, literally, the ways of Torah are Pleasant, And therefore, as a result of that, the Gemara says in Sukkah, page Lamid Beis, when the Gemara is talking about how and what exactly is the definition of the Lulav, Kapos Tamarim. So the Gemara suggests that perhaps it is the species called Kufra. And the Gemara says, oh no, it can't be. And do you want to know why? And the Gemara quotes this Pasuk, because the Rachel Darachi Noam, the ways of Torah are pleasant. And its pathways are peace. And because this particular palm shoot has thorny and prickly projections, it would make it painful and unpleasant to hold. And this can't be the branch that the Torah told us to take because the ways of Torah are pleasant. This is such a powerful perspective. If we have so many mitzvot in this week's parsha, the Torah is giving us an approach with the first mitzvah to all the mitzvot in the Torah. And that is that they are not just doable, but they are pleasant. And I call your attention to an interesting verse in the book of Yeshaya, Isaiah, Chapter 43, Pasuk 22. And what does the Pasuk say? God is rebuking the people. Literally, you did not call out to me, O Jacob. For you grew weary of me, O Israel. So the literal interpretation is, you were tired of your religion and you wanted to look elsewhere for meaning, purpose in life. Says the Dubna Magid, a more interesting, powerful understanding of this verse, not only in its literal sense, is the following. 
how can you use a barometer as to whether or not you were calling out to me, O Yaakov, meaning that you were actually serving God, you can tell one thing, if it was or was not, as the Pasuk says, Kiyogatabi, if you, it was heavy, if it was difficult, then that's not me. If you, me, am I, am me rather, this was not me that you were serving, because when you serve God, it is not difficult. If you're saying it's too hard, there's something wrong with your understanding, and there's something wrong with your practice and implementation of Jewish law. The Dubna Magid gives a simple parable. A traveler leaves his package on the boat and says, please bring it to my hotel. And when the porter brings it, he comes and he says to the uh, traveler, I have brought your package to your other room. The traveler takes one look at the porter and says, sorry, you didn't bring my uh, possessions. What do you mean? Go take a look at the other room. I don't have to look, says the traveler. You are all worn out. You're all perspired. It was so difficult and challenging for you. My package was light. It's insured. I don't have to worry. There are jewels in there. They're not heavy. And that is Torah and mitzvot. It's not heavy. And what may it be compared? It may be compared to perhaps a teenager who can run up and down the ball court playing basketball for hours and never get tired. You take the ball away and say, keep running, in a short time, he will get tired. His mom will say, could you please go and do this errand for me? Oh, mom, I'm so tired. What he means is not that I'm so tired, but that unfortunately, I'm not motivated at the moment to really do this for you. This is the very powerful lesson that the Torah is teaching us. The ways of Torah are pleasant. It's not heavy, it's not difficult, says the late Rabbi Cheskel Abramsky, Tzadik Levracha. We say this in Psuke de Zimra every single day. In Tilim 147. Hallelujah, Kitov Zamra Elokeinu. Literally, praise God for it is good to make music to our God. And in that paragraph, the words should be familiar to you. Hanosein sheleg katsomer. Literally, he gives snow like wool. So the literal understanding is that the color of the snow is like the color of fleece or wool. That white. However, he explains very sharply. Hanosein sheleg God gives snow kat summer in accordance with the wool that you have, in accordance with your coats, in accordance with your capacity to be warm and to meet the cold. That's
that's the way God gives the cold. He doesn't give us cold that we cannot endure. He doesn't give us mitzvot that we cannot endure. Says the Ramban on the Akedah that we're going to read on the second day of Rosh Hashanah. Hashem Nisah es Avraham. God only tests man with a test that he can pass. And therefore, he only gives us mitzvahs that we can do. And all this is contained in the first mitzvah in this week's parsha. And I conclude with, every morning the Jew arises, and what does he say? He says, Thank you, Hashem. The everlasting King. See that you have given me back my soul, and with graciousness. Now listen carefully. Literally, great is your Emuna, great is your trust in us. God gave us a Torah and says, I trust you. I have faith in you that you can do it. And we should have faith in ourselves and realize if God gave it to us, the first paragraph teaches us, you can do it. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. and the A.M., uh, Avram Freed and the Friedman family with the uh, incredible CD entitled My Zadie's Mirrors. That's Menucha Vesimcha. It's J.M. and the A.M. on a Friday air of Shabbos, Parshas Kitetze with candlelighting at 7.02. Things are getting earlier, 7.02, official candlelighting time on this era of Shabbos. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow night, Executive Assistant Avrami presents Saturday Night Seagull beginning at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Matis hosts J.M. Sunday. Matis Wine Guest, J.M. Sunday. He has added a sixth day of J.M. and the A.M. to our schedule, and I thank him for that. J.M. Sunday starts at 7 a.m. Eastern Time on the stream. Uh, includes uh, news in English from Israel and uh, includes Rabbi Goldwasser and plenty more. Elul chauffeur blowing. Make sure to be tuned in between 7 and 9 this coming Sunday morning for JM Sunday. Mentioned the Buy from Israel campaign that was uh, started by a young man in uh, Brooklyn, New York a few weeks ago. Uh, BuyIsrael2014 at gmail.com is the email address. BuyIsrael2014 at gmail.com. We'll give you information about the uh, Lincoln Square Synagogue event in a moment. Uh, that's happening on Sunday. Want to remind you that tomorrow night, the Young Israel of Teaneck has their first annual Elo lecture sponsored by the Katz family in memory of um, Rabbi Joseph Feinstein. The lecture and dessert reception features Rabbi Stephen Weil starting at 9.30 p.m. on Rambam's analysis of the six spiritual roadblocks that preclude shuva. Lecture begins at 9.30, followed by a dairy dessert reception. Information, the young Israel of Teaneck. The community fairs that we spoke about uh, when Malcolm Holmline was on supporting southern Israel uh, it'll go to a bunch of places over the next week. It starts Sunday at Lincoln Square Synagogue on Amsterdam Avenue in New York, starting at 12 noon on the Upper West Side. So go and buy as much as you can from the vendors in the south of Israel so they can benefit after this uh, crazy summer. Uh, that happens at Lincoln Square, and uh, Monday we'll tell you about more of the places where you can go and buy uh, the products next week. Um, they'll be going to a whole bunch of different uh, synagogues and institutions over the week. I uh, want to wish a happy anniversary. Yesterday was the wedding anniversary of uh, Miriam L. and Stephen Wallach. The Wallach celebrated have, uh, anniversary number 19. Wish them a major mazel tov. And if uh, you see them today, make sure to do the same. And the details surrounding the uh, ice bucket challenge that um, Miriam Wallach took yesterday on Grand Street in front of our New York studio. Um, basically, as I said earlier, a major video problem. It did happen. Legendary rock and roll promoter uh, Chip Quigley actually dumped the water on her head, and it did happen, but uh, unfortunately major video technical problems. So it is possible that this coming week there will be a repeat of that entire situation. Yeah, another ice water challenge. We'll see. Keep you up to date, of course. Want to wish a uh, congratulations to uh, the Teaneck Doghouse, the brand new restaurant and sports bar. It's kosher and it opened last night uh, because the NFL started last night. So uh, on their grand opening, and there are a lot of people who are JMN listeners who are involved with the restaurant. So we say uh, Mazal Tov to you. We're, we're big kosher sports bar fans. Uh, like I said yesterday, if you remember the days of the Mendy Sports Bar in. Uh, New York. We were major fans. Uh, we wish them good luck out there on uh, Palisade Avenue in Teaneck, New Jersey. Ten minutes before 9 o'clock Friday morning. This is JM in the AM. And this comes from Schwebel, Scharf, and Levine.
Oh, yeah, Schwebel, Scharf, and Levine here at JM in the AM. Uh, ZK reminds me that you can actually watch Table for Two. If you go to the uh, homepage at NahumSiegel.com, the video is up, and you can see uh, what Naomi is going to be doing between 9 and 10 o'clock during that entire hour coming up next at jmandtheam.org. Time to say good Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. 
it's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by, become a memory. So throw away your hammer, there's nothing left to do. Say good job is Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world in the web, jmtheam.org. Naomi Nachman and the season premiere of Table for Two is next on our stream at jmtheam.org. You can see the video at nachumsegel.com on the homepage. She has amazing guests, including Seth Levitt from Abel's and Hyman. 
Uh, she's got uh, the kosher barbecue competition people from uh, Connecticut, Southern Connecticut. That happens this Sunday. And a whole bunch of great stuff. It's all coming up next. And then our amazing Erev Shabbos Jewish music mix starting at 10 a.m. Enjoy. Tomorrow night, Avrami with Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10. And Matis has JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.